Listen, I want you to go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians. We've been studying through the book of Ephesians. Um, let me just ask you guys a question. Would it not be awesome if you could trust everybody? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could trust what people tell you? Like when you went to the car salesman and the car salesman said, this is the best deal you're ever going to find. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could say, you know what? I know that guy. I could trust him. But that's not always the case, is it? You know, what happens is that many of us have been let down. How many of you guys would say, at some point in my life, I've been let down, right? Uh, let down is a big deal. Let me, just, uh, let me just give you a couple of things. I'm going to explain what a letdown is, all right? Um, you need someone or something that, that you can put your faith and trust in, right? So that's where a letdown starts, is that you need people, you need institutions. You need things. Listen, everybody needs that. Uh, there's no way that you can come into this world and not need anything. The very first thing you start doing when you come into this world is you start crying. Probably because you're hungry. And you don't know how to feed yourself. You need. Immediately, we just start to need, right? And so we have to trust in someone else. We have to put our trust in someone else. Someone that will keep you safe no matter what. That's another thing we need, right? Um, to, to find those safe havens, those safe places. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I always love about my upbringing is that my parents always made our house a safe place. I never had to worry about going home and getting beat or, or, or getting ridiculed or anything like that. And I praise God for that because I hear horror stories of people that find themselves in, in the places that are supposed to be their safe havens. Their safe places are not safe places at all. So they have a letdown, someone that, that will love you unconditionally. Don't we all want that? Don't we want that from our spouses, from, from our friends, from our churches, uh, just, just from the different people that are in our life? Man, would you just love me unconditionally? So many people walk around this world and they say this, if you really knew me, you wouldn't love me. But what happens when they really do know you? You see, that true friend, that, that person that, that you can be safe with, that you can really tell all your feelings to, they're going to love you unconditionally. And then someone or something that, uh, that, that, you, can call on, uh, that, that you can call your safe place, right? Uh, it's all about that safety. It's all about that security in relationships. Well, just when you think that you've found that place that's safe, that peaceful place in that person or that institution, what happens? They turn on you. They lie to you. They let you down. They don't do what they're supposed to do. They don't protect you. They don't, they, they don't cover you the way that they're supposed to, and they let you down, right? Man, listen, letdowns, uh, they, they can really cause some problems. They can really cause some scars in our lives. Let me give you a couple of those. Emotional walls. Immediately, if, you, if you've been let down and then somebody says to you, hey, trust me, you're like, ah, you immediately you got some walls up because you're like, I don't know if I really am going to trust or not because I've been hurt before. People have told me that before. People have said, no, this is a safe place before, but yet they let me down. And so we put up those emotional walls. Another thing that we might do <coughs> um, uh, is you might be shallow in your relationships and not let people get close. Right? If I just keep people at bay, if I keep a little bit of a distance there, 
that, that I'm going to be okay because I'm never going to let them into the trueness of my heart. And so we live lonely lives around a lot of people because we've been let down. Another thing that, that might happen is that you'll hurt people before they have an opportunity to hurt you. If you think that, that a hurt is on the other end, you'll just go ahead and solve that problem. I'll go ahead and just take care of you first. That way I can save my own heart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You guys with me on these? One more. Um, you'll come to the conclusion that it's, that it's safer alone than in community. I'll just be by myself. Because I can protect my heart. Everything will be okay. I'll just have shallow relationships when I have to have shallow relationships. I'll build up all the walls I need to build up so that I can be safe and I can be secure. You know that goes against everything that God wants for you? It goes against everything that God wants. But here's the thing. We've all been let down. There's so many letdowns today. There's been letdowns by fathers. There's been letdowns uh, by, by friends. There's been letdowns by family members. There's been letdowns by spouses. Man, some of the most secure places ought to be those family units where God said, take, take this man and this woman, let them become one. Right? That should be the most sacred place and the safe place in your heart. But yet the divorce rate is over 50% today. That means there's been so many letdowns that people say, man, I don't even know if I can love. And I don't even understand what love is. Sometimes because we've never really seen love. All we've seen is letdown. It happens over and over. Listen, it's not just in people either. Sometimes it's in institutions, in the government. How many of you guys feel let down? I'm just like... How in the world did we, listen, I, I'm not trying to get political, but I'm just telling you, how in the world did we get to the place that we have the candidates that we have? Like, who picked these people? Right? But here we are. Now, listen, I'm going to vote, and I encourage you to vote. Listen, there are people that have literally given blood so that you could vote. You need to go vote. Amen? So I don't care how you vote. I really don't. Because here's what I know. No matter who sits in that chair as president, I have a king who's higher than he. Right? So I'm not necessarily worried about that. I know, I know who runs the presidency. And that's my Lord Jesus Christ. So there, there is no power given on this earth uh, except that comes through God. Amen? So I'm not worried about it necessarily, but it is a letdown. And then the church. Let's talk about the church for a second. Listen, don't we have the answer for life? Like when Josh shed tears a moment ago and I shed those tears with him. You know why? Because I believe just as strongly as he does that we have the answers for life because of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love that God has brought us. But listen, let me tell you the reason why people don't listen to us today. The reason why we struggle to get out this message of hope is because we tell people that this is a safe place. But yet in the midst of this supposedly being a safe place, we let people down. Man, I tell you what, something's got to change, man. If we're really going to have the message and we're really going to be unleashed on this world, can we really be a church, another church that just lets people down? Listen, I, God's always put me in the, the recovery ministry, right? So every church that I went to was dying, and God brought me there and said, listen, take this dying thing and let's see if we can bring it back to life. And let me tell you, that was some hard ministries, hard ministries, because there had been letdown after letdown 
after letdown. Let me give you a couple, and I've been in the ministry for a long time, right? Here, here's the most common letdowns of the church. The pastor stealing money. The pastor's embezzling. Anybody ever heard of that? <laughs> right? And so he, you know, he's saying, well, trust me, you know, we're going to do, what, if, if I told you guys, listen, we're going to do Operation Christmas Child, but yet I took all the funds for that and I went and played golf, you'd be like, what? What's going on? You, you know what I mean? It's like that constant letdown that we have of that. Are we really going to help people? Are we really going to see changed lives? But yet people are so selfish that we're doing these things for ourselves. Another thing that we hear, the pastor ran off with the secretary. Do you know how sick and tired I am of hearing that? But here's what the pastors don't understand or what they're not thinking about at that moment is that there are people that are looking at those pastors that have said, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. I'm trusting you when I've not trusted anyone else. And then come to find out, that there's every evil work going on inside the church. The first church that I pastored was, uh, we, man, I, I thought it was going to be the greatest experience in the world. And I found out the last thing, the third thing, is that the deacons are so power hungry that they'll hurt anybody to get their way. Anybody ever heard of that one? It's not always the pastor, right? It's not always the pastor. Sometimes there are people out there uh, you know, you know, that, that say, you know, the pastor doesn't run the church. Well, I'll be honest with you. The pastor doesn't run the church. But Jesus wouldn't run it like you're running it. You, you know what I'm saying? And so I think we've we got to be careful that because what happens, that's what happened to me in the first church is that, man, you know, I thought, here, I, I'm going to pour into these guys. And you guys know me and you know my ministry. I'll give you every ounce of sweat, every ounce of time. I'll, I'll give you every ounce of everything for myself. And I, feel, I thought that I was in a safe place. And, and, and we took this church of 27 people. And all of a sudden, there's 100 people around. We're seeing people saved. And they're being baptized. And then I have the deacons come to me and say, we're going to shut this down. What? Oh, yeah, we're going to shut this down. I said, what do you mean we're going to shut it down? You're not going to be discipling people like that. You're not going to be pouring into people's lives like that. Let me tell you what happened is that the power was, was shifting to the congregation, and they were being led by the Spirit, and these deacons, instead of being moved by the Holy Spirit in their heart, they were moved by their own selfishness, and they said, we're shutting it down. I said, I don't understand. I don't understand. They started telling lies about me and Kim. They started telling the whole town that, and it was a town of 3,000, so it didn't take much, right? And they were, they, they were telling the whole town that I had cheated on Kim, which has never happened, and all these kind of things. I just, I, listen, I was devastated. But you know what I did? I said, well, maybe I can't trust in people. And I started putting up some walls. And I started putting up some of the emotional, uh, emotional walls. I wish I could tell you that, that I was so spiritual that I could just, you know, leave my gut open. You can just hit me as many times as you want. Come on, that's not true. That's not true. Everybody guards. Everybody has those protections. Why? Because we've all been let down. So then I get an opportunity. God says, all right, well, let's just start one. Let's just start one. And listen, we have an opportunity to have a church that doesn't let people down. You, no, don't, just, I know, don't you just say amen. We have an opportunity 
to do something different, don't we? Well, we don't let people down. Where this is a safe place. Where this is the place that God intended it to be. As we get into the book of Ephesians and you see the, the wonderful thing that God has done is he's brought these Jews and these Gentiles together and he says, I want you to be something new. I don't want you to be the old Jewish law. We don't care about that. I don't want you to be the crazy Gentile who, who, who doesn't understand anything about my, my precepts, my laws, or anything about that. They're running crazy. They're running wild. Don't be like that. We don't want to be religious. We don't want to be crazy. We're going to do a new thing. We're going to start the church, Right? And here's what he says. Let's, let's get into the scriptures together. Ephesians chapter 4. And just look with me um, at verse number 25. And let me just read. We're going we're gonna to read 25 through 32. Let me catch the first verse here. Verse number 25. He says this. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Now, I'll be honest with you, so many times in the scriptures, we take these passages and we make them personal unto ourselves, but we don't look at the context of which they're being said. So for us to really get this and for us to understand this, you have to understand that Paul is talking in the context of one another. He's talking about us. He's not just talking about you. So we're going to talk about how the fact that you need to not be angry or that you need to not lie or you need to not do. There's seven things that are listed here, but I want you to understand they're not just personal to you. It's in the context of us. It's in the context of the church. Look back up at verse number 13. Just in your, in your scriptures there, I just want you to turn, look back at um, verse number 13. Let's get the context here. Verse number 12 says, to equip the, the saints for the work of the ministry, for the, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's my job, right? And here's your job. Until we all attain the, the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What that means is, is that as a church body, we are going to be Jesus to this world. Amen? Okay, but we can't be Jesus and the devil at the same time. That doesn't work. So when we read through these things in verse number 25 through 32, what you're going to see is he's going to be saying to you, don't do this because it's going to hurt your relationships. It's going to cause people to not trust you and they're going to be let down. Let me ask you this question before we get into these seven things. Do you love the church? Do you love God's church? You see, I think in this place, when you have a church on every corner and maybe two or three on the same corner, we just start looking at them as buildings. I wonder, I wonder if we really love God's church. Do you love Reliant? Do you love this place? And I'm not talking about CK Danceworks. That's not ours, right? That's not Reliant. Reliant might be here for a while. We might be somewhere else. Reliant is us. Can you genuinely say, I love this place. I love these people. Listen, as you come into this body, you got to have that. Let me, let me let you guys in on a little secret. Now, I'm going to bust some of your bubbles here, okay? God did not die. Jesus did not die for you. He died for the church. Oh, listen to me closely. Listen to me closely. 
Because I'm telling you scripture right now. Jesus did not die for you. He died for the church. I want you to turn over to, verse, uh, to chapter 5. And let's look at chapter 5. And, and this is just a preview of a couple of weeks coming up. But I want you to look with me in... Um, um, let's look at verse number 23. Chapter 5, verse number 23. It says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and, and, and is himself its Savior. Verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved what? The church. And gave himself for her. You see, here's what you got to understand is that it's about us. It's not about you. It's about us. So to have that person, and here's where I'm going to burst some of your bubbles, where you can say, no, wait a minute. I can have my own personal relationship with God. I don't need the church. Listen, Jesus died for the church. You need the church. If you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you are the church. You can't get away from it. You can't escape from it. Nor can you take yourself out of it. You are a part of it. Do you love yourself? You see, because if you continue in that passage, it's going to say, no man ever hated his own flesh. But see, what we do is we separate ourselves. Well, I'm not going to that church. Wait a minute. That church is you. Those people... Are your people. Those are your brothers, your sisters. And could we ever get a scope in our mind to say, wait a minute, this isn't about me. This is about children in Africa. This is about people in Paulding County that need a safe place. They need to see something that they've not seen in a long time. They need to see a group of people that can function together, love one another with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think God's brought us together for that purpose. So Paul says to the church there in Ephesus, because I want you to understand, behind this book of, of Ephesians, there's a church, which means there's people, right? He's talking to these people. He's trying to get them to understand Here's the way that you're going to measure up to the fullness of Christ in your life. And he lists out seven things here, right? So let me just go through some of those. Here's the first one. If we're, if we're going to show people the love of Christ and get into the fullness of Christ, the first thing we have to do is speak the truth and not lies. Speak the truth and not lies. If you're struggling, you know what you should say? I'm struggling. If you're happy, say you're happy. Whatever it is. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what Jesus says. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Right? Uh, Jesus says things, uh, we read things in the scriptures that says, wait a minute, if you're going to make a vow, better not to make a vow than to make a vow and to break it. Right? Speak the truth. If you're struggling, if you're overwhelmed, whatever the case is, speak the truth. Because let me tell you what lying does. It's going to do two things. Number one, it's going to destroy trust. Doesn't it? I've been, I, I've been in counseling a long time. And, and I've been in some marriage situations where there's been distrust. Where, there, where, where there's been adultery. And, and so, you know, I'm talking to the guy. And usually it's the guy who's committed adultery. But not always. 
But in my situations, it's usually the guy, and I say to him, hey, listen, take away all doubt. There is an app on your phone called Find Friends, and your wife needs to be able to hit that thing anytime she wants and see where you're at. And if you'll do that, she won't text you as much. Are you hearing me? All I'm saying is, is that why wouldn't you want her to know? Man, one of the scriptures that God has just overwhelmed me with, and I'll just quote it to you. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. And really, I, knew, I know 1 through 6. But he says this, As we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor, nor deceitfulness, nor... nor uh, um, now I've messed it up. Not walking in craftiness or, or, or using the word of God deceitfully, but in all manners... We've made ourselves accountable to both God and men. Verse number three says, For if our gospel be hid, it is to hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them, lest they should believe, see the Lord Jesus Christ. You see what happens? When we're deceitful, let me tell you what happens. The gospel is hidden. People can't see Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus isn't a liar. Who's a liar? The devil. Right? Why would you, why would you act like the devil? Listen, do you, do you have Jesus in your heart? Like, has Jesus come into your heart? Listen, I don't care how hard it is to say the truth. You need to say the truth. Verse number 15 in our passage there in Ephesians chapter 4. If you look at verse number 15, he said. He, he says, speak the truth in love. You're not trying to hurt people. We'll get to that one in a minute, right? You're not trying to hurt people. But listen, sometimes you need to speak the truth in love. Let it be whatever it is. I would rather somebody judge me for being honest than try to have to figure me out. Some of you didn't hear what I just said. I would rather you judge me for being honest. Well, that's, that's who he is. That's the way it is. Then for somebody to come back and say, man, I can't figure that dude out. I don't know if he's telling me the truth or not. I don't know, I don't know which face to look. I don't know which. Let's be honest. You know why? Because it causes a safe place. Even though I might not like what you're doing, even though I might not like you, I still want to be safe with you. I still want, I'll still want you to be safe with me. But we got to be honest. And, and you know, the blessing for me is, is that there's so many of you that I feel like that I could come to and I, I could say, man, I'm struggling today. I, I'm not having a good day. I, I've got a bad attitude. And, and I, I don't think that so, some of you guys that are my friends, now some of you wouldn't know how to take me, but, but some of you that have hung around me a while that are my safe places, you would say, man, how can I, how can I help? How can I pray? And and you would help me with that. You wouldn't judge me for that. Because I'm human. Do you realize that Kim and I need a safe place too? We need a safe place just like you do. I feel that. But I want you to feel that. I want you to feel that amongst each other. But let me tell you how to kill that. Start lying to each other. Listen, do you, do you want to cause dissension in your marriage? Let me tell you how to do it. It's real simple. Start lying. Start lying. 
Tell her that you're going to the grocery store when you're going to the bar. See how that works out. Okay? Oh, that happens, doesn't it? Right? Tell her that you've got to go to work and you're going to work late, but yet there's a secretary at work that you've been flirting with. See how that works for you. Listen, all you've got to do is start lying and you'll destroy every relationship around you. Because it destroys trust and, and, and it destroys unity. The second one. Let's go on to verse number 26. He says this. He says, be angry and do not sin. Now, a lot of times we take this into the marriage. And I'll be honest with you. These seven things, they work in any relationship. It doesn't matter, right? But the context, remember the context is about the church. So how many of you guys have ever gotten angry at somebody in the church? And please be honest. And I'll be the first one to put my hand up. Because there's been some, some people that I just said, Lord, can I just kill them? If I, I know they're going to heaven, so can I just kill them and just get them out of my ministry? Right, John? I mean, right? It's just, it is what it is. But here's the thing. In the context, he says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Why? Verse number 27, you got to couple it together because the sentence not over. And give no opportunity to the devil. Because see, here's what happens in the church. You get angry, but you don't tell them. You don't let that be known. Why? Because maybe you're not supposed to be angry. Okay, that's something you need to deal with, whatever, right? But listen, if you get angry, you need to deal with that immediately. Because what's going to end up happening is it's going to cause dissension. It's going to destroy unity. It's going to give place for the devil to come in. And to make us something that we don't want to be. It's going to make that place where people will say, they're just like everybody else. They're going to let you down. And if they don't say that to somebody else, they'll say it in their heart. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, going, to, I'm not going to give myself. You know, I love that passage when it talks about... When, when, it, when, when it talks about um, um, giving money, whenever Paul was raising money for the church in Jerusalem, and he said, he said, but listen, the church in Macedonia, let me tell you the cool thing about them. You know what they did? They gave themselves first. And then they gave their pocketbooks. But they gave themselves first. Listen, you know what I'm wanting? In all honesty, I want you to, I want you to be all in. I want you to give yourself to the Lord, to Reliant, to the mission that God has set us on. Now, I can't expect for you to do that if we don't create a safe place where we're all coming in this thing together. If you're angry, listen, do you realize that anger is not necessarily a sin? He doesn't say here, if you're angry, that you've sinned. He says, be angry and what? And sin not. So there is a proper way that God has told us that you handle your anger. So if you're angry, the Bible says, if a brother has offended you, this is Matthew chapter 18 for you note, note takers, right? Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 18, Jesus lays out specifically, he says, if your brother has offended you, go to that brother. Tell him the offense. And see if you can't get that thing reconciled between you and your brother or sister. Listen, if you do that, nobody else needs to know. Don't get me started on gossip. 
Nobody else needs to know. If you handled your business and you, you got angry, that's fine. Listen, you might have righteous indignation, meaning that you should get angry. Listen, God gets angry. You look at Genesis chapter 6, let me tell you something. He got angry and he killed them all. It was righteous indignation because their thoughts were only evil continually. Sometimes you have the right to be angry. You have the right to have those feelings. And your feelings need to be justified. But they can't be justified if you don't tell anybody. So here's what I wrote down. Deal with your anger quickly, not holding grudges. Some of you guys, you've been holding grudges for years. You've been out of different church bodies for years, and yet you still are holding grudges on those people. What do you think that's doing to your spirit? What do you, now, now I'm not talking about them, because listen, I'm telling you, whoever you're holding a grudge on, they're not thinking about you like you're thinking about them. That's not, what, that's not what's happening. Be angry, sin not, don't give place to the devil. Okay? Holding grudges destroys unity. Holding a grudge gives an opportunity for the devil to be at work. You guys in agreement with these? All right, here's the third one. Go, go on to verse 28. He says, let the thief no longer steal. Listen, I already threw pastors in there. It don't matter who it is, right? Listen, I was over at, I, I was over at Keith's house the other day. I'm doing some work over at his house. And they went on vacation. And there was a, a work for me to do. He paid me in advance for that. All right? Now, I could have taken that money and done whatever I wanted to do with it. But I knew the hours. I knew the time that it was going to take to do that job. I put in the hours. I put in the time. Do you understand? I, it's important that you're a person of your word. That you do what you say you're going to do. This is everyday life. Because if not, it's going to break down unity. It's going to give opportunity for the devil to get in there. That's not what we want. So, verse 28, he says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Now, here's what I wrote down. I want you guys to get this. Become a giver and not a taker. Now, there's two ways that you need to understand this. Most of the time, the only thing we see in that verse is let the thief steal no more. And I think everybody would say amen to that. If you're a thief, if you've been stealing, if you've been robbing from somebody else, if you've been robbing from your work, if, you, if you've not been doing work when work is paying you to be there, let the thief steal no more. Listen, if you've been robbing from God, as God says, you know, I, I want you to honor me with the first fruits of your increase. Listen, let the thief steal no more. You need to correct that. No question about that. But then he goes on and he says, now, he that works honestly with his hands. So you got the thief. What's the thief trying to do? He's trying to get stuff, right? He, he, he wants stuff and he wants it quick. So the thief is going to do whatever he has to do to do that. He'll come into your home when you're not there, and he will take your stuff. Sometimes he'll come into your home when you are there and take your stuff. 
He doesn't care. He just wants for himself. It's a very selfish thing. But listen, we can also have that same attitude as we work honestly with our hands. And we still are just trying to get stuff. Give me stuff. Yeah, I'll work, I'll work as much as you want. I will be a slave to you if I can get stuff. But that's not what he says. Listen, he, he, he says, let him that works honestly with his hands do so, so that he will have something to what? To share to those that are in need. See, that's a whole different attitude, isn't it? That's an attitude, because you, be you can be a thief and just want stuff, and you can be working honestly with your hands and just want stuff. But he says, no, as the church body of Christ, what Christ does is said, no, listen, I will work for you. I will work so that you have, not so that I have. I'll work so that you have. Can you imagine a world where everybody said, I'll work so that you can have? I think they call that utopia, right? Everybody would be doing their part. Everybody would be contributing. Everybody would be doing so that everybody has. Listen, is that not what we're supposed to be doing in the body of Christ? That we take care of one another's needs, that we look out for one another. Everybody contributing, everybody doing, we become a giver and not a taker. But in the church, when you get those people who said, no, I'm going to take as much as I can take. I'll guarantee you, you're going to be hurting people along the way. You're going to be hurting people. So that's the third thing. Stealing is selfish. Honest work is selfish too. We work honestly so that we have something to share. Giving is godly. Would you agree to that? Giving is godly. For God so loved the world that he gave, right? Giving is godly. Let's look at number four. The fourth one is this. Um, verse number 29. He says, let no um, 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 corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up or edifying, right? As fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So he says, listen, you need to be building up and not tearing down. When you get here, let me ask you guys a question this morning. Were you building people up or were you tearing people down? When you've not dealt with yourself, when you've not brought yourself into subjection to the things of Christ and you come in and your, your, your lip is on the, on the ground and, and you're upset about this and you're upset about that, do you really think that you're lifting people up and you're building people up and people are like, man, I, I'm so excited to be around you. No, people are like, whoa. How far away can I get? Because I've come here because this is supposed to be that safe place. This is supposed to be that place of refuge that I can get refueled and I can get recharged. And listen, if everybody, if the body fitly framed together is edifying itself in love, then everybody's built up. And we leave better than what we came. Listen, I, I love the fact that, that Josh is not afraid to share his feelings with you. Because you know what he's really saying? Praise God that he was willing to save us and love us with the cross. Amen? That encourages me, man. It encourages me, as I'm sure it encourages you. We need to be lifting each other up. When you get here on Sunday mornings, 
Be lifting, be lifting people up. Listen, when there are visitors that come, I'm telling you right now, those visitors are wanting to know, is this a place that I can grow? Is this a place that's going to edify me, build me up to make the best me that I can be? And I think we all need to be doing that. That can't just be the pastor. That can't just be Josh. That can't just be the ministers on stage. That's everybody. Are we building up the kids? Are we building up the teens? Are we building up the adults so that the family units are stronger and people say, man, what would I do without Reliant Church? What would I do? Where would I be? Right? That's what needs to be happening. So we build up instead of tearing down. And let me just say this. What you say and the way that you say it, it matters. It matters. Um, I remember back early in our, in our marriage, and some of you have heard me say this before, but early in our marriage, Kim used to tell me when I would scold the girls, you need to go look in the mirror. Because what you're saying is right, but the way that you're saying is not good. She said, you look like a bulldog, and you look like you're ready to bite somebody. So I went into the mirror, and I looked in the mirror, and I scolded myself, and I was like, oh, man, that is a pretty, you know, like, like my eyes get really small, you, you, you know, my brow comes down, and like, I can have a mean face, and these little girls, because they were little, I'm like scaring them to death. I was telling them the right thing, but the way that I was telling them was not edifying, it wasn't building them up, Right? So we got to check ourselves sometimes. Some of you guys probably need to look in the mirror. Why so downtrodden? Listen, if everybody's coming up to you saying, hey, man, what's wrong with you? Oh, nothing. Why is everybody asking me that? It's probably the sour puss on your face. It's probably because you look like you got problems. And, and you know what people are thinking? Oh, well, they're not being honest. And here we go. And then we're all in a cycle. Hey, listen, if you're having a rough day, welcome to the club. Just say you're having a rough day. People can pray for you. They can edify you. They can encourage you in that, in the truth, right? All right. I wrote down here, uh, guard your tongue, and I, I put up here James chapter 3. Let me just read it to you. James 3, 6 says this, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members um, straining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. I don't, I, that doesn't sound good, right? Be careful what you say. Think about what you say. Another passage in James 1.19 says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, right? Because what you think is righteous and the way you say things is not necessarily the righteousness of God. So you need to run that through the filter of the Bible and run that through the filter of the Spirit. Listen, I, I'm going to move on because this next one is, is just as profound. So um, back at Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 30. And you guys have heard this verse, but I, I doubt that you understand it. Okay, um, And do not quench or do not, do not grieve the, the Spirit of God. How many of you guys have heard that verse before? Don't grieve the Spirit of God. Listen, we got to understand the context of what he's talking about here. He's talking about the church and how you can grieve the Spirit of God. Here's what you got to understand. The Spirit of God is moving and is at work. Would you agree? 
The Spirit of God is moving and, and, and is at work. He's at work in the lives of others. He's at work in our community. He's at work around the world. And God has called us and said, I want you to walk in my Spirit, be led by my Spirit. And as you're led by my Spirit, we're going to do some incredible, amazing things together. But what people do inside the church, not outside the church, inside the church is what they say is, I'm not going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in my life or the leading that the church is going through right now. I'm going to do my own thing and you quench what God is trying to do. It sounds little, but it's huge. And when you get into the place where you've got so many people that are, that are making their own decisions about what they want to do in their life, instead of coming into the unity of the body of Christ, the unity of the Spirit, and say, wait a minute, if the Spirit is moving us that way, then I'm going to do that. Listen, God forbid that somebody be out there today saying, I'm not going to make one of those stupid boxes. And you get this attitude in your heart and you're like, I'm not going to do that kind of evangelism. I don't know what they're doing with that money or on the backside of that. Listen, I believe with all of my heart, the leadership of Reliant has said, this is what we're going to do for Christmas. You ought to make a box and give it to a kid. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? But the little things that we do can just quench the spirit and what we're trying to do. Just get in. If you got a question, by all means, ask the question. I'm okay with that. You want to know about Samaritan's Purse? There's tons of stuff on the internet that you can find out. I'll bet you if we tried hard enough that we could probably talk to Frank. Franklin Graham. I bet we could talk to him if we really had those kind of questions. But what I'm saying is get in the movement. Get in the movement. There are some blessings for you. God wants to use you in this body to bless some other people. Get in the movement. Listen, as we're, as we're constantly talking about how can we disciple and how can we do that the best, I was so encouraged last Tuesday when we had men that just sat around together and they said, you know what, we're going to make a safe haven and a place where men can come and we can, we can begin to produce Jesus followers of faith with real life change. I was excited about it. Don't quench that. Don't quench that. You know what you need to do? You need to get in on it. Men, Tuesday night, you need to get in on it. We're over at Alan's house on Tuesday night. You need to get in on it. Ladies, Kim's starting to talk to you guys about that stuff. Listen, please do me a favor. Just get in on it. Whatever it is, however it works, however you guys decide. Listen, we, we had those same conversations and we talked it out and we said, you know what? We believe this is the movement of the Lord in the way that the Lord is going to move us. And now we've asked you guys to come along and say, would you get in on it? I want you to do the same. But by all means, don't quench the spirit. Don't quench what the spirit's doing. And Lisa, listen, this is going to sound legalistic. I don't care. Be here when you can be here. Be here. Be in your place. I can't tell you the encouragement that you give to people when you're in your place. 
Now, I realize that people have vacations and you have things to do and there's, you know, listen, the world is full of things to do, right? Full. Keith was telling me the other day, he's running our parking lot, he's out there, he says, you know, I see people driving by with boats and with kayaks and with, you know, you name it. Why? Because there's tons of stuff to do. There's softball and there's baseball and there's volleyball and there's... You know, there's all kinds of sports and this and that. And what, Listen, I realize that there's a lot of stuff going on. But if you can, just be in your place. Because I'll guarantee you it helps to edify and build up the rest of us. It's, it's lonely sometimes around here. You know, and I, and I know it's because we're a new church and everything. But man, when half of the church congregation is gone and people come in, they're like, where? Where's everybody at? Are we doing okay? Listen, these are the questions that, that I field all the time. Are we doing okay? What about so-and-so? I hadn't seen so-and-so in a while. Yeah, I talked to them. They're doing fine. They've just been on vacation. They've just been sick. They've just been, you know. People are genuinely concerned. But how much better is it when they see your face and you get to encourage them and, and you be encouraged, right? Don't quench the spirit. Let me go on to the last one I'm going to cover today. There's actually seven. I'm covering six today. And then I'm going to hit the other one uh, next week. Go down to uh, verse number 32. It says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So the last point is this. Forgive as you have been forgiven. It would be nice if you could always trust people. It would be nice if they always did what they said. It would be nice if they never held grudges. It would be nice if they never quenched the spirit. It would be nice if they did all those things. But you know what? Sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes people mess up. Sometimes people do the wrong thing. Walk through your Matthew 18 passage. Confront your brother or sister. But by all means, by all means, forgive. Now, if you're struggling to forgive... If you're struggling to find it within your heart to forgive your brother or sister for whatever they've done, listen, the first thing you need to do is I want you to think of the bigger picture. Does it help Christ or does it hurt Christ? If I don't forgive, does that help the body of Christ or does that hurt the body of Christ? But then the second thing that I want you to do after you look at the big picture and you understand that kingdom mindset is I want you to remember how much Jesus has forgiven you. How many times that you lied to somebody? How many times that you held a grudge when you weren't supposed to hold a grudge? When you stole when you weren't supposed to steal? When you did those things to other people, whether you got caught or not, here's what I know. Jesus forgave you. And He's still forgiving you. He still finds room in His heart to forgive you. Last week, I'll be candid with you guys. I got on my knees one day last week and I said, Lord, I don't know how to ask forgiveness for my filthy flesh. I've been doing this a long time. And and I'm not talking about, Father, forgive me, for I know that I have sinned. Uh, I'm not necessarily talking about Uh, putting relationships in my life that will help me to keep from doing that. What I'm talking about is the fact that I'm sick and tired of being filthy. But yet, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And you know what I I really believe, and, and according to Scripture in Psalm 78, 
you know what Jesus says to me in my spirit? I realize that you're just a man, a sinful man. That's why you needed me. In 1 John chapter 2, he says, Little children, I write these things unto you that you sin not, but if any man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus still forgives you. You need to forgive. You need to forgive. Here's what's going to happen. As you forgive, and listen, you say, but how many times? Just look at the scriptures because that question's already been asked. Peter said, how many times, Lord, do I forgive my brother when he's done these things against me? Listen, make sure that you're walking through the Matthew 18 steps because you might be able to help with the life change where you don't have to keep forgiving. But sometimes we're like, well, that's none of my business. Listen, when you come into the body of Christ, it's your business. If you do it properly, it's not your business to gossip. It's not your business to talk about other people. But listen, one-on-one conversations, you ought to be having those all the time. And we ought to be encouraging each other. Let's think of the higher purpose. Let's understand the kingdom mindset. People need a safe place. And if we keep acting like that in this body, this will not be a safe place. And then the testimony gets out that this is not a safe place and we might as well close the doors. Or we'll just sit around burying each other. Do you hear me? Let's do something amazing. But you're going to have to live by these rules inside the house of God so that we keep the unity, that we keep the spirit, and the spirit leads us to do some amazing things. Listen, I want all of you to bow your heads for a moment. We're going to have a time of prayer. And you need to sit in your chairs right where you are, and you need to consider these things. Am Am I being the Christian that I'm supposed to be? Am I doing in this body what I need to be doing? Am I speaking the truth? Do I deal with my anger? Are you angry at somebody right now? Have you dealt with that properly? You need to deal with it right now. Am I a giver or am I a taker? Do I build up or do I tear down? Am I filled with the Spirit or am I grieving the Spirit in myself? in my own growth, in the growth of the church. And then lastly today, do do I need to forgive? I want you to sit there and think about the way that God has forgiven you. And I'm going to give you 30 seconds to talk to Jesus. And when we dismiss, we're going to sing about a good, good father. And then we're going to dismiss. There might be a brother or sister that you need to go wrap your arms around and say, I'm sorry. In one of these areas, I've not been fulfilling the brotherhood or the sisterhood of Christ to you like I should have. And I want you to know that in my heart, in my church, where where we come together and we worship the Lord Jesus Christ, this is a safe place for you. This is a safe place for me. And if you need to do that, I want you to do it today. If you need to call somebody on the phone, you call them on the phone. Whatever needs to happen. Because I'll be honest with you, the testimony of our church hangs in the balance. I'm going to give you 30 seconds, and then we're going to sing.